Hello, and welcome back to Screaming is Fun with Tara and Adam. I don't like screaming. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's our podcast for today. Bye. Just kidding. This is Basic Snitches. <laughs> this is episode five of season, season two. two. They were reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets chapter, chapter five, five, The, the Whomping Willow. Willow. And it's been a while since we've recorded. So what have you been up to? Uh, rehearsing for a show. Working. Petting my cat. And actually it just opened yesterday. The one big thing though that you may have seen on our social media is that Halloween just happened. I took Tara to her first Halloween party ever. Yes. And we went as Newt Scamander and Tina Goldstein. And that was really fun. I really love that hat and I need an excuse to just um, wear it. Yes. She went online and got like the cloche, the actual Tina cloche. Yes. And I had uh, my magical case of creatures with a niffler in it and a bow truckle. I got Newt's wand, which I very quickly broke, which is not, <laughs> not surprising. My office, they did a Halloween party and they always theme it. So like last year was Oktoberfest and this year was Harry Potter. And so originally I was going to just like go to theater and get this pink suit that I know will fit me and be umbrage, but I was like, I can't phone it in. Like, I gotta do something, like, major. So I decided to go as Newt, and we have a costume contest, and this year there was a non-Harry Potter and a Harry Potter theme, and I won the Harry Potter theme. So Yay. that was pretty cool. Granted, in the past few years, I was a vampire and a werewolf and a pirate, so super basic. And this time I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this. Like It looked really out. cool. I was super happy with that. So, and yeah, I mean, I've been working. There was this lovely thing that I had to deal with called Fridgegate, which... That's for another podcast. <laughs> Fridge cake. And now we're back. Can you get down, please? Berkeley is up in our grill. What happened in the last chapter? In the last chapter, Although I need to remove the cat. On top of her notes. Sorry. Okay. In chapter four, I have to assign a winner and loser. So I don't know if you remember, but chapter four, everyone was a diagonally and it was not really the best day for everyone. And the loser of the chapter is Lucius Malfoy. He's just the dickiest dick who ever was a dick. He's terrible. He's just like, what's the use of being a disgrace to the name wizard if they don't even pay you well for it or something? He's the biggest snob. Yeah, and then, he, and then he's just, yeah, and he says to Jenny, like, this is the best your father can do. Like, that's gross. Grow the fuck up. Get out of here. I hate him. That being said, the winner of the chapter... Fingernail witch. <laughs> no, you gave her points. I did. I was really hoping yeah. she would win. No, no, Ginny wins. Yes. I love that Ginny like sticks up her hair. Like she just doesn't hesitate. And even though we see a lot of Ginny being very shy and reserved the first couple of books we spend time with her, like this is a clear indication of who she is. So I say Ginny, you win chapter four. Good job. Yes. A very well awarded win. All right. Here is my outline for this chapter. How many pages is it? It's, well, it's in one note, so one page. But that could mean that it's a dissertation for all you know. Okay, here we go. Chapter 5, The Whomping Willow. Summer is ending, and the Weasley's house continues to be delightful, cozy, and fun. But it's time to go back to school, so all seven of them gather into the Fort Anglia. These Weasleys are a bunch of ragamuffins, though. Save for Molly, of course, and keep forgetting their shit. One of their brooms, their fireworks, super necessary at school. I sure hope Hogwarts has metal detectors. And of course, 
Ginny's diary. If only they were like, tough shit, Jin Jin. You should have remembered the other two times we went back. Then we could have avoided this whole Arrow Slytherin ordeal. Anyway, on the way to King's Cross, Arthur wants to put on the invisibility and flying powers of the car to get there quicker, which Molly is steadfastly against. Maybe she would have felt differently if she were stuck in traffic more often, but at the same, Ron and Harry should have been paying attention to that because it may have avoided them heaps of trouble later on. They get to the platform and they all go through the wall, leaving those two last. They can't get through, causing a scene and a lot of confused muggle looks. Suddenly, out of all the possible solutions they could have taken, these 12-year-olds decide the best solution is to fly the car. After all, mom and dad don't need it, Ron says. Ron, you in danger, girl. <laughs> the car sputters into the sky in the most careless way possible, and they make their way toward Hogwarts. By dumb pure luck, they find the train and follow it the whole way. Of course, they forgot that even magical cars have to run on gas, and luckily just in time they make it to the Hogwarts grounds and crash into a very aggressive tree that starts to bash them. I honestly can't blame it. When a bug flies into my hair, I get pretty pissed too. Anyway, Ron's wand breaks. Nope, not a dick joke for me once. Ha. Huh? And when the car gets shaken loose, it has had it officially with their shit and drives off, giving them the middle fender. They sneak into the Great Hall just as the sorting ceremony starts and begin to badmouth Snape, but oh look, Snape is right behind them. He whisks them away and tells them they've been seen, then goes to Mika to expel them. She and Dumbledore both show up to hear the full story, and by an absolute miracle they don't get expelled, and no points get taken away from Gryffindor, except for by Adam at the end of this episode, probably. They do get detention, though, and as we'll learn soon, they have to spend time with a fucking egomaniac, which is pretty bad as is. When they finally make it to the common room, the Gryffindors congratulate them on arriving in style. SMH, that's why I'm a Slytherin. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a little bit of the Norbert chapter from last time for me. Clearly, I am a little bit irritated with some of this. It's done in a very haphazard way, very similarly how back then they were kind of careless and everything. There were so many really great things recently that showed how smart they are, like the revelation of who Dobby belongs to a couple chapters ago. But now, ugh, how they decided to take the car is really irritating. You had actually sent me something that you found on Facebook or whatever that you might post that kind of touches on this and how there are so many different ways that they could have gotten back to Hogwarts, but I'm sure we'll get there. So first we open up with them still at the borough and there's still so many many lovely things that are happening that are very cozy and relatable and whatnot. The whole filibuster fireworks thing and how like he has them going off in the house. The tracle tart which has I don't know a very personal affect to Harry. We actually had treacle tart at the work party and it's not that great but <laughs> so well, almost, well, Molly Weasley didn't make it so that's very true. Okay. However the pumpkin pasties were pretty good and this is coming from someone who doesn't really like pumpkin pie that much. Pumpkin pasties definitely I'll eat yours. Are good. It's fine. And then the whole like cocoa before bed thing. I don't know why but I really liked that as Aww, well. I like that. Yeah. 
we still have that little bit of coziness and then they um, are off to Hogwarts. And this whole scene with them getting into the car and using all the magic to make sure that they all fit like it's a clown car. And the whole thing of like, oh no, I forgot this, I forgot that. It's another thing that I think we can all relate to. And it's all very nice, except that little piece there of foreshadowing with the diary. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say about that? I am surprised Molly Weasley is not suspect that Arthur did some kind of expandable charm. Like, she's not an idiot, you know? But oh, she, I see. But she says something along the lines yeah. of, Muggles are more clever than we thought, or they know how to do this better than we thought. I'm like, really, Molly? It's like the same charm that they use on the tent in the fourth book. Yeah. Like, but, it should be obvious to her that there's a charm here. Yes, I feel like she's like pretending to be i don't know yeah i guess i didn't really think about that but when you look at like a small tent and then you look at how big it is and how it's like an actual like cottage or whatever Mm -hmm. that's more obvious i guess with the car maybe they really didn't and if she hadn't been on the inside of a car in the past that's fair i guess but at the same time maybe it wasn't so obvious looking at it from the outside to the inside that oh once you go in it's it's bigger maybe she's just choosing to be ignorant Maybe, because I mean, obviously she knows that he put all these other charms on there, because once they start going, and they're very late because everybody forgot all their shit, and if she forgets her diary, she has to run all the way up to the top of the burrow to wherever her bedroom is to grab it, you know? So it's not like they can just run in and run back out. Yeah. On the way then to King's Cross, they're super, super, super late. He says something along the lines of like, if I could just fly, you know, this one time. And Molly is very, very adamant about like, don't you dare. Don't use magic. And like, to be fair, like if they're already on the highway, what's he going to do? Like pull off into an alley and then get invisible and then start flying, you know? It's just so much more risky. And then how do you like also land in the parking lot there afterwards? You know what I mean? We think too hard about this. Yeah. But I mean, this is something I imagine that Molly would do. Molly is well prepared. And then, of course, they get to King's Cross. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm not blaming Arthur and Molly for this. I know that Harry and Ron have now done this exactly once, so they're obviously experts. Leave them behind to go through the platform last. Yeah. Why is there not an adult that goes in last? Like, two chapters ago, Harry fucking got lost in the flu network. These are still kids. Again, what happens next is not Arthur and Molly's fault, but they're like, oh, we're going to go. You guys can come behind us. Yeah. You are stepping between one place to another in a train station that's crowded and filled with people. Why? Why would you trust them? Why would you trust them? They're fucking 12-year-old boys. Well, not only that, but like one of these children aren't even yours, I guess. That would be another thing. Right? The fact that you bring up the flu network, too, is really, really great. It's really... (laughs) This happened literal, like, weeks ago in their time. Do you remember how you're like, yeah, just go for it, Harry? Yeah. And then they were coming together when they brought Ginny again. Like, Ginny is only a year younger than Harry. Probably less than that. Mm -hmm. Very inconsistent about how we take care of the children. Yeah. It's so funny, because, like, you would think, like, okay, all the boys should run up ahead. Like, they've done this before. And then stay behind with Ginny. So it could have been fixed, even from that point of view. But then Harry is, like, walking this line of being the voice of reason through the whole thing. He's like, oh, we should go wait by the car. And then Ron's like, ooh, brilliant idea. And Harry literally is so close to coming to that, like, realization that we could send Hedwig 
which is what they should have done. Yeah. He's right there. And then Ron's like, stupid idea. And Harry's like, oh, that sounds great. How much time would they have lost by just waiting by the car? Like, they've got to come back. It's not like they're going to apparate out of there. They right, because they have to go get, get the they car. They have to at least get the car. Yeah. Exactly. The whole line that I put into my summary that I think is really, really important is, oh, they don't need the car. Okay. Like, right. there's so right. many issues they with this. They don't need the car, but it can't just sit there. But it's still their car. Yeah, they and still like, have to come back and get it. And looking through all of this stuff, like, I think of all the different elements you need in order to be able to drive a car. The training that you have to go through, and the, the fact that you need a license and insurance and gas and all of these things. Ron, you don't even know, like, the start of it. Like, your brothers are a little bit well, okay. So I was going to say, your brothers are a little bit different. They're a couple years older. I think they're a little bit more clever and a little smarter, clearly, as like jokesters and pranksters. Like, yes, they drove this car all the way to Surrey to rescue Harry and mm -hmm. everything. But even just like by that one line where they pick the lock, they think things through a little bit more. They're successful at shenanigans. Yeah. Ron has yet to perfect shenanigans. Yeah. Also, though, it's in their nature. I don't think that it's in Ron's nature because just like Harry, at the end of the day, their goal is to get to Hogwarts. Ron's not like, oh my God, it would be so cool to fly the car. It's somewhere in there, I'm sure. But his goal is to get to Hogwarts. Yeah. Fred and George have a goal of what can I do to create mayhem? Like <laughs> that is how they think. They're completely different in like their goals. Yeah. You know, when we were talking about, I think in the last book, how anytime Harry is out of bed and like he gets caught in some of the later books, it's always we're protecting Hagrid. I see Peter Pettigrew on this map. Like, it's never, I want to be out of bed fucking it's around. Like, that's shit. not yeah. what they do. That's what Fred and George do. So I think that you're right that Ron isn't first like Fred and George. He doesn't have the build to be that yeah. way. Ron actually jumps into it a lot more quicker. Yeah. But the twins think it through. Yeah. The twins are prepared to cause their mayhem. Yeah. And when you were saying this, like, it made me think of, like, how kids take on traits of their parents. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, we hear it all the time with Harry. Looking in this instance, maybe it's a little bit strange, but I almost feel like the twins are taking a little bit more off of Molly and, like, having their shit together, even though their goal is so not... I think I agree with you that. You know what I mean? And I think Ron is very much like his father. Yeah. It's very interesting because we meet Bill later on. We meet Charlie later on. We never really get to know them very well. We kind of get to know Bill a little bit. You get to know Percy even better than Bill. You get to know the twins pretty well, you know, but you really only get to know ron and jenny as yeah. far as like to a level where you can confidently say that they're like this or they're like that yeah ron is a lot like his father i you think know, so too who is inherently good in a like in a wholesome yeah way. he's wholesome and ron is too but he's also a little naive maybe yes and ron is, is naive yeah i think that ron is not ever an intentional troublemaker mm -hmm. just yeah. like harry that's one of the places where he and harry are very similar and why they fit as friends i do want to just say regarding Ginny too now yeah. Ginny's in Hollywood's way i think yeah she has this little damsel in distress kind of moment in this uh, book but, but she's not a damsel in distress she's I not think. what happens with Ginny in this book is literally a thing that's just so far beyond you know she's not she was completely a princess manipulated. who was kidnapped she was this is a lot darker than yeah. some kind of like damsel in distress story and what from exactly her. what happens in the last chapter with that diary and everything and yeah i, th I think you're right i mean all of them go 
all of them, as in like all of the main characters, go through these trials of sorts that kind of get them in these predicaments. On top of the twins just being maybe a little bit more conniving, I guess. They have each other to kind of go off on and to brainstorm with. Like, having twin brothers, I know that is probably the truth. Mm -hmm. But then, we have said it in the past, like, Ron is also the sixth boy now. In some ways, he might be trying to, like, take off things that they have done in the past. He even says later in the chapter something about, like, he can't wait to see, like, the look on their faces when they glide onto them. Right. There's also something that Ron says on page 69. He says something along the lines of even underage wizards are allowed to use magic in an emergency. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) Because we've already seen a lot of different things of underage wizards using magic. And I'm like, okay. In this instance, I think it's the same thing of practicing on those brooms when they were throwing the apples. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's already enchanted. Like, they're able to just, like, press the button and it happens. But I was like, come on. We're allowed to use magic in certain emergency situations. Like, that makes me think of what does happen in book five. That was an emergency situation. And that's where it really, like, bites Harry in the ass. So Right. Everything is a little different by then. But yeah. yeah. But for the most part, the journey goes pretty well for them. Yeah. It's funny because, and of course, we'll get more into some of the changes with the movie later. But it's one of those other instances where you can like recall like road trips with family. I remember driving a lot of um, long distances in our like minivan and like there gets to the point where you're just tired and you're like thirsty and you have to pee. And then like get to that moment where (laughs) Harry says something along the lines of how he misses being on the Hogwarts Express where you could just like buy pumpkin juice from the trolley lady and things. Honestly, like, this is a really fun mechanism, Um, and of course it brings in another element of magic, which we've of course already seen, because they've used the car already, but like, I totally do miss the Hogwarts Express. As like, a purist, I suppose, with my Harry Potter stuff, I just really loved that element. I'm right there with him. But other than that, like you said, it does go pretty smoothly. Until the car starts making, like, suspect noises. And it's so relatable because they're, like, pretending that they don't hear it. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there. I'm like, I don't hear that sound that the car is making. Like, I would hear, like, a rattle. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I can't afford something else wrong with this car. I love that because I didn't really pick up on oh, that. Oh, I piece. sure did because I was like, yep, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> and then right after that is when I literally see Hogwarts in my head when Harry says, there I can see Hogwarts. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yay. Yeah. Even though I know what's about to happen. Oh my God. Like, so one thing with that that just made me think of is like when we went to New York and like you're getting closer and closer and you start to see the skyline. And it's like, oh my God, we're here. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, then this happens. And, like, the whole thing of them not knowing how to actually operate a car. They're worried about, like, the invisibility charm and the flying and charm. And just and, like, hitting things with his wand. Like, yeah. idiot. And, like, the gas. Like, in my mind, part of it is because the car was running low on gas or something. Maybe the car doesn't need gas because it's magical. The, but... the car, like, went from London to Scotland. It's not, like... 
Can you do that on a full t- on like on a tank of gas even oh, if it's full? I don't know. Shit, I don't know. I've never been to the UK. <laughs> Maybe it's magic gas that also we're makes crossing it fly. countries here. <laughs> like and also, Ron's an idiot. So also, Ron's an idiot. But then I also think of like, okay, when I do hear like a rattle or get a certain light or something happens, mm-hmm. it was like drilled into me by my dad and my grandfather. You look in the manual and see like what's wrong, and of course, there's no manual either, which yeah. is I guess another flaw to this whole like, and why Molly doesn't want. <laughs> Arthur keeping something like this. That is when they begin to plummet. They run into the namesake of the chapter. The Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow. Honestly, they're lucky they're alive. The, totally. And like in the past, when I was younger reading this, I'm like, oh, that stupid fucking tree. Now as an adult reading this, I'm like, they fucking deserved it. Ron's wand breaking is just really unfortunate. But like you said, he's just hitting random things with his wand. I feel like we've all been in those situations like where you're really stressed and like you're not really thinking about things. Part of me does feel for Ron in that instance, but all of this stuff led up to this. This is why Molly didn't want Arthur doing it. So you just figure that like you were going to be able to do it. Oh, they don't need the car, yada, yada, yada. Something that's more slice of life is when a kid wrecks their parents car you just learn how to drive you want to go out with your friends and you like sneak the car out but of course it bites him in the ass first of all i just want to say that like the action of them plummeting to the earth and hitting the tree and the tree hitting them all of that's very well written like you get a really clear picture in your head just reading those paragraphs describing that i could not even think of what that would look like if i were like okay i have to write an action scene where a tree with violent branches hits people in a car like no part of me would even know how to do that and it's beautifully written yeah but yeah then thank god the car like saves them and then the car's like fuck you and ejects yeah exactly so hedwig furious she is so pissed. Hedwig, this whole book, is Poor just like, Hedwig. what the fuck are you guys doing? Now, it's interesting because something else that this made me think of, I related this to the Norbert chapter, is like, okay, what was the whole point of this, I guess? There's a lot of exposition here. It shows a little bit more about their characters. You know, there's the reason for the howler later on. But of course, it drives into the Forbidden Forest. And that is, of course, going to That's be very, point. very important. I think being introduced on. to the Whomping Willow in this book That's is another nice, thing. So it doesn't feel like a, oh, by the way, thing in the third book. I also think that breaking Ron's wand is obviously very That's important. That's a big portion here. There's so many more things here that we have to remember. Like, I'm glad that you mentioned the Whomping Willow, too. Because obviously back with like the norbert egg it wasn't quite as easy to figure out oh hey this is why this is happening it's a lot more obvious i think here another thing that occurred to me along with all the other things of like not knowing how to operate a car is like once they got the car here like where were they gonna park it does hogwarts have like a student parking lot or like car permits or anything like that like probably not like they didn't think through that there's even a moment where harry's screaming things like reverse and stuff it's like you don't even know what you're talking about like you've never driven a car and then once that car goes away like you said they look through the window and they see the sorting through the window of the great hall Mm -hmm. and i'm glad we get to see some of it because i like the sorting me too especially because we miss it again next year yeah so it's nice to see at least a little bit of it and but i just love their back and forth and they're like 
Maybe he's blah, blah, blah. Maybe this, whatever. The, like, snake. He's right timing. behind him. Or maybe he's wondering. Like, I, it's amazing. I love good timing. This is that. one of the great, like, Snape moments, because we haven't seen a lot of them. I wouldn't call it a great Snape moment. I would call it a good timing Snape it's a moment. good timing moment, but if we're grading on a curve here, it's pretty cool. I actually really enjoyed it. Because after all the shit that they've just done, like, they're into talking shit and everything and it's a little bit of a retribution there i agree with you too about the great hall and seeing a little bit of that it's the same thing of the hogwarts express like it's the tradition of going through and experiencing this and making the whole back to school journey so much more special um so the fact that they miss that feast and everything is kind of like oh man but they get to see it of course also the daily profit works real fast yeah real fast I'm like, oh, suddenly here's the daily profit. Right. Like, how does how do they deliver it? I mean, it's got to be Magic. by owl. Like, Magic. Like, not only do they know and like they write it really fast. I mean, everybody's got one of those quick quills, I guess, that Rita Skeeter has. But clearly, those owls are just like ready and trained to be like, okay, I need to get the profit. How many times do they print this thing? What are their resources like? It is, it is crazy. I don't understand why Snape is obsessed with getting them expelled. Like, he's allowed to be mad. He's allowed to think that they should be expelled, but he's legitimately determined to expel them here. Yeah. One, you don't get to make that choice. Two, why are you so adamant about it? To the point where in the narration, it's commented that Snape looked like Christmas had been canceled. I was going to say that exact same thing. And I was thing. like, you're an educator. You are allowed to be disappointed. You are allowed to be like... I really believe that they should be expelled. But he behaves like a child yeah. about it. I think it goes back to the grudge that he has. The whole thing with his parents. Absolutely. Like, that's totally what it is. And, like, to be fair, like, what they did was pretty bad. They risked that our whole world could have been revealed. I mean, it, yeah, it's a totally a big deal and everything. It's fine, because um, Mick G. And it makes me wonder then, too, again, grading on a curve, you just said with Snape and the things that he's done, I wonder if between the Marauders and the Weasley twins and all the other students in the school, like, have there been worse things done? It's so interesting to see how everybody reacts to these things. We've got, strangely enough, like on one side, there's Snape and Molly via the Howler, which I tend to be a little bit more on that side too. And then like Dumbledore and McGonagall are so much more like calm about it in the middle. Like it is kind of amazing that they only get detention and like they don't even get points taken away. And like they did the little thing like, ah, we weren't actually at school yet. Right. So. I honestly feel like they could have maybe gotten more detention. I don't... I mean, I, I, don't know, so I don't know what the rest of the solution would be, but, like, there's no way McGonagall is going to expel the seeker that she legitimately pulled in yeah. last year. And, I mean, like, Dumbledore and McGonagall know a lot more about what's to come, too, with Harry. I mean, Dumbledore certainly does. Maybe McGonagall doesn't know quite as much as uh, Dumbledore, but... Yeah, there's no way that they're going to... I don't think McGonagall comes off easy, though. Like, she's very... They both are she's, very she's... stern. She does the whole, I believe you have an owl to Harry. Mm -hmm. And then Harry goes, we didn't think. Which I would like mm -hmm. to retitle this chapter as, we didn't think. We could retitle several of these books and maybe the whole series. <laughs> we didn't think. We didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... What book is it? Is it the sixth book or it's just Dumbledore? Uh, of course, I haven't told you. Yeah, there's, there's a there's lot a, of that. There's a meme of that somewhere. <laughs> uh. I did want to be like, okay, maybe there's a devil's advocate moment here. The other thing is what happens to these kids if they're expelled from Hogwarts? So they, they don't learn how to become wizards, have a proper education. What good does that do anyone? Yeah, I mean, it's like any of the things like... 
you know, they what didn't, if... They didn't kill anyone. What if the Weasleys didn't come and rescue them, etc.? Oh, okay, that's the end. The end of the story. This is a very, very short Yeah, book. I think Hagrid is expelled. And the reasoning behind Hagrid's expulsion... Is because someone died. Is because someone died. Yeah. Obviously, we know that he didn't do it. And we know how that goes. And that's going to play out in this book, obviously. But, like, it's not like people get expelled all the time. We know Newt's commander was expelled. Yeah. That has not actually come out yeah. in the storyline for him. So I'm excited to see what happens with that down the road. But, again, like, they endangered themselves. They destroyed property. They're fucking idiots. Mm. But expelling them does what? I wonder if there's some like middle ground of suspension, you know, in there. Well, I wondered about that too, but... Uh, something I wrote down, trying to be like a little bit of a devil's advocate here too, is like, is there a handbook? If this happens, here's what you do. Sure, they shouldn't need to have a handbook tell them to be rational and call an owl. But is there a handbook that says, you know, these are grounds for detention, etc. Again, be rational about things. Yeah. Like, but it would be interesting to see something like that. There are so many missteps in the way that Hogwarts is run. It would be nice to a set of guidelines, mm-hmm. you know? To be fair, we have one character that comes up in a few books who does create all of these decrees and everything and rules. And But I think it's even beyond rules. I think it's like a set of guidelines, truly. Just yeah. like, here's what to do and what not to do. And ultimately, it's them being teenage boys. Absolutely. I think that's what happens. And they get off a lot easier. They sure did. They got they away with it. Yeah. They go back to the common room and everyone's like, oh, you guys are really cool. And Hermione and Percy are like stern faces but that's really all like Mm -hmm. i do want to talk about the uh refilling plates of sandwiches i Um, mean we knew that's probably what happened how it would suck to have your dinner in snape's office that would suck but snape's not there anymore that's true so and they do have like this jug of pumpkin juice and everything hey it could be worse they could be in the dungeon with filch hanging by their thumbs (laughs) i want those plates (laughs) <laughs> right, I would like plates that refill food for me, please. Yes, absolutely. That I guess you would have to like turn off eventually, because after a bit, it's like, okay, I where am I going to put all these leftovers? <laughs> but those are really cool. And then just the overall, when I was talking or a little bit earlier about like the scale of reaction to the whole car incident, the Gryffindors are all the way over here. Like they are like, hell yeah, you know, they're so like Uh-oh. excited about this. They really are. Which is. Again, sort of funny. Like, it makes me wonder, okay, how often does something like this maybe happen, like, at Hogwarts? Not necessarily this exact thing, but something so grand like that. I would say, yeah, Hermione and Percy are definitely a little bit more in the middle. Maybe Percy's a little bit more pissed than than the others, but... I would like to say, as a Gryffindor, I would be amused by it. I would be like, good for you, you got away with it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, Harry especially, and, like, say I was in this class, so I would be a second-year Gryffindor. I would be like, these are my classmates, they got away with something... And they're both okay, and they're likable people. I would be like, "Yeah, sure. you did it. You came out of that okay." Would I be like, "Ugh, I cannot believe you're getting attention over that"? I don't think I would be. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be like, "You guys should do that all the time. It's great." I don't know. I feel like the like if they're your is... housemates, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, you should have gotten expelled for well, that." Well, and I know? also, even if I had been, well, I definitely would never be smart enough to be in Ravenclaw, and I'm not a Slytherin. So if I were in Hufflepuff, and so we're like, "Oh, Harry and Ron are okay." I I don't think anyone is going, oh, Harry and Ron should have been expelled. They're probably just relieved that their classmates are okay. Yeah. The Slytherins are probably like, god damn it. Yeah, but 
So I had a similar thought. Like, if they were in other houses, like, how would they react? Honestly, I feel like all of the houses would probably react in the same way to their own housemates, except for maybe Ravenclaw, because they did it in such a stupid way. I know that they fucked up and whatever, but I love that they can just go back to their house and have that real feeling of like, put away with it. Oh my God. And truthfully- Especially because you sit with them in the office and there's all this dread. Mm -hmm. They're like, we're going to be expelled. That sucks. And truthfully, like, this is just like another little dramatic plot point that reveals a few other things that are important. Mm -hmm. In the next chapter, you do start to see like those bits and pieces kind of reveal themselves and, and whatnot. So- As a whole, it's such an important thing in the story. This book in general, I think every single chapter, you start to see these pieces that when you put them together at the end of the book, it is done very seamlessly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't have anything else to say about the book to you. No, I'm done with the book. So for the movie... Uh, there's quite a few changes. The first big one for me is, of course, the whole car thing that we had already talked about. They don't expand the car. You don't get to see any of that. They just show up at King's Cross. Yeah. I'm okay with, except for I would have liked to see that they took the car to King's Cross. That's a good point. That's the part that I'm missing there. I don't need to see them all clown car into it. Yeah. And then when Ron's like, oh, the car. It doesn't make quite as Mm -hmm. much sense until you see it like kind of floating up out of the parking lot. So that's true. This is a very little tiny thing, but they actually go in with Ginny. Molly and Arthur go in with her. Well, she goes by herself and then they go behind her. In the movie. Yeah. Yes. Which I think even like highlights it even more. Like really? Like you didn't even want to help Ginny. They're blatantly ignoring the boys even more. Yeah. Yeah, like in the movie. Yeah. Now it makes me wonder, like, did they always have Ron go onto the platform with them when they took the twins in? You know, like they didn't want to leave like Ron and Ginny back home with a yeah. babysitter or anything. So I'm sure that yeah. like Ron had a Ron is probably been to on do it. The, yeah. But still, like, this is Jenny's first time, like, in the movie. They didn't even help her. It was almost strange. Well, like, I mean, she had been through the platform, too. Sure. But, but it's, yeah. like, the first time, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it just was... goes back to the, why are we not supervising all the children? Yeah. That are, like, a year apart. They're not six years apart. Yeah. So that was a little tiny thing I noticed. I but... like that we pointed out that it was the same guy who works at the oh, train yes. station for the first movie. I'm glad that you said that because I would have glossed right over it. But yes, I actually mentioned it. The guy who's like, oh, you think you're being funny, do you? In the first movie, same guy. So he has a secure job. <laughs> right? I'm happy to know that. Also, Hedwig's head goes right into the brick. Yeah. Basically. You know... I don't have points for Hedwig, spoiler, later, but maybe Hedwig deserves a little bit more points in the future. Hedwig deserves all the best things. Also, like, Ron literally flies over his cart and seems to be completely fine. Yeah. I was like, okay. Maybe, like, he does hit his head and that's why he thinks it's okay to take the car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because there we go. Now we know what to do. Once we get to the car, actually, too, like, you see it float up. And, and Harry's it's like, like, uh, Ron, you can't. There's no, like, muggles right there being like, what the fuck? Like, and Ron is like, oh. Like, he's instantly not even thinking about it. Can I comment, though? That Ron looks way too good at fucking driving a car. He uh, yeah. looks like he knows what the fuck he's doing. And yeah. I'm like... Hmm. Well, I wonder then, like, how much did he learn that from the twins? You know, because yeah. then the twins probably learned it. It was kind of something passed down. But agreed. Like, I almost feel like if you're going to forget to make it invisible, he should have been a little bit less good at it. I think in the movie, they don't find the train 
as fast, but of course that um, it's so dramatic. Lets that whole dramatic scene happen. And how does no one on the train see it? Right. Maybe some of them did, but it just doesn't come out later. Right. But someone must have. Even whoever is driving the train must have been like, "What the fuck? There's a car on the train." The fucking line after they get off of the tracks and save themselves from death. <laughs> we found the train. <laughs> we found the yeah. train. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that whole thing isn't in the book. So when they get to Hogwarts, one, love seeing Hogwarts always, but Ron breaks his wand on the steering wheel yeah. before they crash. Yeah. I don't like that. Me neither. Like, that was another thing that was just super dumb. More dumb than in the book. The other thing that we actually forgot to mention that I think is very important, because, of course, like, it's within that whole dramatic scene, but Harry almost falls out of the car. <laughs> like, Where's your Wingardium Leviosa, Ron? Right. And, like, I was noticing as I was doing it, and the door Harry is does open, fall out of the car. He, does he, he Well, yes. He falls out. He almost falls to his death. But, again, that's one of those moments, like, oh... If it didn't get resolved, end of movie. That's it. <laughs> but behind, like, the seat, there's, like, these, like, wrapped packages on the floor. And, like, why the fuck aren't those falling out of the car? They're really secure behind that seat <laughs> there. Harry, you should have talked yourself behind that seat. Yeah. Because then it makes me think of, like, later when the car, like, spits them out and everything. Like, all of these, like, little wrapped packages are... Why didn't you guys, like, package better? So <clears throat> back to, like, the Whomping Willow and the wand and everything. This is one of those moments, too, um, very similar to some other things that we've mentioned in the past not being the best quality at that time when the movie was filmed, like the centaurs. Uh, it probably could have been mm-hmm. a little bit better, like, nowadays. The tree sometimes, eh, too. It's not great. But I'm not mad at it. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not an expert. When the car drives away, though, I'm always impressed by the reach that the tree has. Because, like, it's hitting and hitting and hitting and continues to hit. Like, that tree is going all all the way down. That tree wants to really kill them. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't blame them. No. Don't blame that tree. <laughs> not at all. I like the car ejecting them. I'm glad that they caught their pets. Well, I'm not really glad Ron caught scabbers. But right. Whatever. But Hedwig. But Hedwig. Yes. And then, you know, they drag their stuff in. And that's when they do the download about the Malfoys. Or not, yeah. They, well, they don't well not Malfoys, really to the Malfoys. But, but, but Harry but does Dobby the and stuff. house elf. A house elf appeared in my bedroom. Someone really doesn't want me here. And then they yeah. run into Filch. Which, you know how much I love a Filch setting in oh this movie. Oh my gosh. You mentioned in the past few few chapters his acting here. Of I love him. And to be honest, while I do kind of like that little snake moment of catching them talking shit, this is a lot more natural, perhaps, for them to get caught in there. And then, of course, Filch takes them to his boyfriend, Snake. Right. <laughs> like, but also, just giving David Bradley more to do because, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, although he does mind. have a great moment in this show, well, not a great, again, like the use of the word great isn't maybe like, greater. Oh, could but be like, last night you spend in this castle or whatever. Well, no, what I was referring to is later what happens to Mrs. Norris. Like, he does kind of get the screen time there from this. Yeah. But in, well, this, he has to. in this instance, like, it, I, I don't know. I like it a little bit more, I well, guess. Well, because in the book, we'll get there, but like in the book, he and Harry have more interaction. Yeah. This doesn't you know, happen in the movie. That's a really good point. It's really important for us to reestablish who he is yeah. and that he exists because otherwise, the first interaction he's going to have with Filch in the movie is when Mrs. Norris is Yeah, that's true. And in fact, there are so many other characters that are important in this story in the same way that Mrs. Norris is, that in the book they are introduced, I think, a little bit more 
We get more yeah, upfront information. Yeah. Again, I always love a David Bradley setting because he plays such a great asshole. Yeah. But then Snape is legitimately a child. You know, I love Alan Rickman, and it's not like that I don't like what his, he does. He There's literally a scene where he's like pointing at them, like, they did this bad thing. Okay, so yes. It at looks first, so childish. At first, when he is with the Daily Prophet, like mm-hmm. that whole scene, that's I was great. like, that's not bad. But then when they come in, it's like what you said before about him like being so adamant about he's them so being adamant. expelled. And in the book, McGonagall is more pissed. In this scene, she Maggie has is this just kind tiny of tiny little smile on her face for a hot second. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to critique Maggie Smith at all because she's amazing. But like in this moment, I do wish she was a little bit more angry. I think but... that they had to condense the whole scene because if they did more of the scene, I think she could have done more of her yeah. scary McGonagall stuff. But also, her line is "Not today" when he's like, "You're expelling us, aren't you?" Yeah. Well, and I even think back to like when they were caught after the whole Norbert thing. They're in the office, and yes, she's a little bit more pissed at that moment. But even the way that she like talks to Draco when she's like, "The four of you will be in detention," he's like, "Excuse me, did you say four? And she's like, "Yes, you will also be." Like she's a little bit more stingy in her words than her emotions. She does I think. not ever need to raise her voice. Yeah. She so is that much of a boss. There is that, of course, but um, that that's a slight difference in Magana, at least. I wanted to comment that Snape is actually more accurate about the Whomping Willow's origins in the movie than in the book. I want to actually read exactly what it says in the book. Well, in the movie, he says something about like... It, before... it was planned here before you were born. Yeah. Which is accurate. These boys have flouted the decree for restriction of underage wizardry cause serious damage to an old and valuable tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says old and valuable, and I mean, I don't know what is considered an old tree. (laughs) It was planted the year that he started school at Hogwarts. Yeah. Snape, so what are you saying about yourself? How old are you, Snape? (laughs) True. If it was planted when you were 11, that would make the tree, like, what, 20-something? That's not an old tree. I mean, it was probably, like, not a sapling when they, then it wouldn't have been effective then. But it probably wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Zero thinks about trees. <laughs> it's one of those little tiny changes. Like Arthur and Molly walk into the platform together. Yeah, little things. It's one of those things that's kind of interesting to notice and ties in well with the next book and movie. Well, I will say I really do love as they come over the mountain and they see Hogwarts in the car and Ron says, welcome home. Makes me happy. Yes, me too. And on that note, here are some points. First, points that are being taken away. Negative 20 to Ron. (laughs) I feel like you really saw this coming. I do not like the way that Ron handled the situation. And yes, Harry was there, which is why he's getting 10 taken away. But Ron was the main one to be like, oh, we're just going to take the car. And like, they're not going to care. And yada, yada, yada. He just thinks so irrationally so quickly. Plus five to Snape, only for that little moment where he catches them. (laughs) It's pretty great. I like it. And there's not a ton of times where like Snape deserves points. I think like in this point, I can throw him a few. And then plus 10 to McGonagall because of the way that 
she disciplines them being that like strict stern Mika that we always know and love rather than the kind of more impulsive one and the fact that she honestly doesn't like rip them to shreds mm-hmm. she does it like just right and she does it in a way to kind of level set and put things into perspectives like you said like they didn't kill anyone they made some mistakes obviously ultimately when it comes down to it they just didn't think the new title of this chapter yes so negative 20 to Ron, negative 10 to Harry, plus 5 to Snape, plus 10 to McGonagall. So a short list this time, but get ready because the next chapter's list is long. Oh, really? and, and on that note, speaking of the next chapter, next time we'll be reading chapter 6, Gilder The Giant Asshole. <laughs> Yay! I can't person. wait. Yes. I mean, I, there are other people that I probably hate more than Gilderoy in this series, but in this moment... It's definitely Gilderoy. I don't like him very much. So check us out next week next when week. we bitch about Gilderoy Lockhart. So Hell yeah. I can't wait. But we also do a lot of great things in that chapter. So it'll make up for itself. Yeah. Have a great day. We never know how to end these <laughs> things. Bye. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!